and we will be in Genesis 2. So thank you, you guys, for all joining. And we are going to get into the rules. You need your Bible, your pen, notebook, questions. You guys know I love the questions. Respect the perspective, right? Everyone has a sense of belonging. Everyone's point of view is important. And we are going to pray. All right, Father, we thank you, Lord, for this night. Father, let it be your Holy Spirit who speaks through me and not me as myself. Father, we pray, Lord Jesus, that every word of Genesis, Lord, is an anchor to everyone's heart. Let it be written on their hearts as it's written in your book. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, Genesis to you guys. So as you know, (coughs) on the slides, it's the amplified version, but I'm going to read from the NIV because that's my Bible and I like the NIV. But if you guys have a different version and it says something else, that's totally okay. It just kind of depends on what you prefer. All right, so a little recap, right? And so we went into... Um, Genesis one from the beginning, remember a day is like a thousand years. So seven days, 7,000 years, he created the world in seven days. Right. And, um, and so I loved, I'm so glad I found this like little view because it kind of gave Genesis to revelation, which I kind of told you guys last time about Genesis through revelation and stuff like that. And so, um, cause there's so many, parallels of it that you know what you read in the beginning will be recreated and we'll kind of touch on it a little bit today um of what's in the beginning is at the end too and so this whole concept is really about eternal life and so we're going to talk about that too so um get into it so we're going actually back to day six so genesis as he recreated the whole you know or as he created the whole world and on day six he's creating the you know the land and the animals and and um and he created man right and so here now we're back at day six and this is where the story sort of starts right in day six when he's creating in in this creation process right so here we go so this is the account of the heavens and the earth and when they were created when the lord god made the heavens and the earth so the lord god here is different from god from genesis one because genesis one was elohim remember um elohim means the strength of god Um, strength of God, God, the creator, God almighty, right? So God almighty Elohim. So now here he's saying it's, it's a new name for God. And so he's saying, this is the account of the heavens and the earth. And when they were created, when the Lord God made heavens and the earth. So now he, the Lord God here is Yahweh. And so he, it's, it's now um, the existing one. Right. And so I meant to put that in there and I didn't, and I apologize. So now here he has a new name. He's, he went from Elohim, the almighty God to now the existing one, Yahweh. Okay. So continue. All right. So no, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up, but the Lord God 
had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground, but the streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. So here he's still creating the land, right? And then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils. This is the breath of life. This is the Holy Spirit. And he, he was breathing the Ruach of God. He breathed into his nostrils and it was the breath of life and the man became a living being. So here we go. All right, and let's continue. All right, so now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east of Eden. So Eden means delight, land of happiness. So here he created the land of happiness. So the garden was an oasis and Eden was a place that the Lord named delight and happiness. All right. And there he put the man he had formed and the Lord God made all kinds of trees grown out of the ground and the trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food and in the middle of the garden were the trees of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil stop all right so this is really really important because we're talking so here in this picture the trees there's two trees and they're not in the ground and that was purpose right so he's talking about like the trees that were good for food they were all sustainable and they grew from the ground now you have the tree of life mm -hmm. and you have the tree of knowledge of good and evil god placed them in the middle of the garden they did not grow from the ground so here you have two trees that were suspended in the air, not rooted in the ground because the roots were in heaven. Okay, so this is gonna go a little bit deep. Here we go, the presence of God. So we're gonna talk about the trees and why this is important because this is another area where Genesis meets Revelation, okay? So when God created the earth, he praised what he created, right? So when God completed his creation, he blessed it and he called it good. So not only did he, he speak a blessing over what he created, he also called it good. And when he called it good, he's basically praising what he called. And so in Psalms 22, it says that God inhabits the praises of his people. So since he was creating things and there was nobody to praise him, he kind of praised his own self, right? <laughs> and so, because if he inhabits his praise, then his presence is there. So he's creating this world where his presence is and he's praising it and calling it good. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So, and these are not normal trees. So all the other trees that were good to eat and, you know, they, they have seeds, they grow in the ground, they grow from the earth and they bloom and they blossom. Right. And so, and it has this whole cycle of like prosperity. Right. And we talked about that last week about, 
you know, the multiplication of the plants and the herbs and the people and all that, and it leads to prosperity, right? And so here you have these not normal trees. You have the tree of life and the tree of good and evil. And so these are the two trees that God had placed. It didn't grow from the ground. He placed them there. And so one tree gave life. And as we will continue with the story, and most of you guys kind of already know it, one tree led to death. We will actually go deeper into the tree of life and the tree of good and evil next week when we get into Genesis 3, but I kind of want to give you a picture of this right now so that you have an understanding why this tree is important because it's actually the whole basis of why Jesus came in the first place. And so, so here you have a tree that gives life and then you have another tree that ultimately led to death, right? And so these trees were suspended in the middle of the garden because here's the tree of life and the tree of life is eternal life. That's what it's representing. It's representing eternal life. In Revelation 21, 1, it talks about the new heaven and the new earth. So when everything is destroyed here, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And basically what it says is that he goes, when I saw a new heaven and a new earth, the first heaven and the first earth passed away, it vanished. So this is like the rapture, right? And like everything goes away. And so anyway, so he's talking about that, right? And then in Revelation 22 talks about, um, so an angel showed me a river of the water of life clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and the lamb who's Christ. And in the middle of the other side of the river was a tree of life and bearing 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves in the trees were for healing of the nations. There was no longer, they, there no longer exist anything that is cursed. So we're going to talk about that next week when we go into Genesis three and the cursing and the blessings and, you know, the Adam and Eve sinful story. Um, so that's what it's talking about. And then the throne of God and the lamb of it, and then the blood servants will serve and worship him and all these things. So he's talking about, um, so here he gives a picture. And as we go through today, you're going to have the picture of like how the garden was formed. And you always have to remember that like, what is here on earth is a reflection of what is in heaven. So as you know, of the, like, you know, the, our father, where he says, as it is on earth, as it is in heaven. So here you have earth and you have heaven and God was trying to recreate what he sees in heaven here on earth. And so you have these rivers and you have, um, um, the tree of life. And in Genesis, there's the river that flows from the throne. And, um, and then next to the river is this tree of life. And the tree of life has the fruits of the spirit on it. And so we'll go into that whole thing next week. But I just wanted to give you a, an understanding of like, why these two trees are so important and why they're like, totally unique from like the trees that go from the ground and so 
And in this garden is the presence of God. So the garden is God's dwelling. So everything that God called good because he praised it and he blessed it, he's dwelling in it. So this kind of goes with how you speak. We had talked about how we speak and how we talk about things. And so the size of your praise that comes out of your mouth is the size of the dwelling of God that's going to manifest his power in your life. So whatever you're speaking is going to manifest however big. So the more you're saying, oh, thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. Even if you don't see it right now, it's eventually going to come, right? And so how you're praising God is how big he's going to manifest his power in your life. And so this, the trees and his praise and his presence and how it was created, they're all tied together. And this is, again, like we're, Genesis meets revelation. And so um, it's just a little clip of like what we're going to talk about next week when we talk about, you know, the, the Adam and Eve sin, right? And so um, the trees always remember that these two trees, the tree of life, which is eternal life, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which all obviously ultimately leads to death um these two trees are like totally unique from the other trees that grow from the ground because their roots both of these trees roots were rooted in heaven they weren't rooted here on earth so okay did that make sense does anyone have questions all right so let's continue verse 10 so a river watering the garden flowed from Eden. Remember, Eden means delight, happy place. From there, it was separated into four headwaters. And the name of the first is Pishon, and it winds through the entire land of Havilah, where there is gold. And the gold <clears throat> of that land is good. And um, aromic resin and Onyx are also there. And in the second river is the Gishon, and it winds through the entire land of Cush. And the name of the third river is Tigris, and it runs along the east side of Asher. And the fourth river is the Euphrates. Okay, so this is really, really interesting. So here, oh, just so you know, so you have an idea of where this is. This is the Persian Gulf right here. And like Kuwait is like kind of right here somewhere. And so this is that like whole area in there. So if you're wondering like where this map is and where Eden is, this is the Persian Gulf. Like Kuwait is somewhere over here. Afghanistan is like somewhere over here. And then there's like all of this, right? And for, for point of reference, the Tigris and Euphrates in the middle there, that's where Abraham was. Just for yes. point of reference of the traveling. Yes. So. Just that considered the Holy Land, like what you're referring to right now? I'm sorry? Is that considered the Holy Land, what you're referring to right now? That is not considered the Holy Land. No. Oh, okay. But, um, Israel is like, way to the left northwest yeah yeah 
So, um, yeah, no, it's more towards the Asia side where the Holy Land is more towards the Mediterranean side. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So here, this was fun when I found this out. Okay, so gold, the resin, and the oxen were similar to the gifts that were given to Jesus when he was born by the kings, by the magi, right? And so here in this land, these are priestly gifts. So there's gold, which means royalty, and it represents the king or a kingdom. Then you have resin, which is used for like perfume or anointing oil. And then you have oxen, or oxen, <laughs> onyx, sorry, onyx that was used for the priestly garments. They were used on the priestly garments. And so here, when the gifts that were given to Jesus, it was gold, the frankincense and myrrh. So the gold represented a king as the gold here represents a kingdom. The frankincense um, was symbolic for the prayer and like high priests, like the high priests used the frankincense in their worship. And the myrrh was in a burial ointment for when somebody dies and it's very perfumey. And so here he's talking, you know, they're talking about a king and a kingdom, a priestly ship, and then anointings, right? And so same thing in um, Eden, there was gold, resin, and onyx. And same thing, it talks about a kingdom, it talks about an anointing and a perfume. And then it also talks about priestly, you know, it represents like, um, priestly thing. So, uh, ashes or what is it? Frankincense. Yeah. It's kind of actually, it's kind of like resin, to be honest with you. It's, it's very fragranted. It's, um, yeah. It's like incense. Yeah. It's yeah. That's what it is. They actually sell frankincense incense sticks. Like you can buy it. Oh, is yeah. Yeah, and myrrh is a spice. Is a what? Spice. Spice. Mm -hmm. The Egyptians actually use myrrh to mummify bodies. Like that's the kind of like yeah. preserving qualities it has. And it's very perfumey. So they used it more so too to like cover the scent of, you know, that funky scent of like a dead body. And so- um, You got to remember in these days, people would go into the tomb and visit the corpse you know we've we if we do visit a loved one we visit a rock you know with their name on it they actually went in and visited the wrapped up corpse that's why when mary and mary magdalene went in to find jesus they couldn't find him but they, they would use these spices and stuff to make the tomb smell attractive that way it was both respectful for the dead and respectful for the the mourner yeah however <laughs> however it didn't need that for jesus exactly all right, so now we're going to talk about the rivers. So the rivers mean prosperity as well. So you have like the gold, the resin, and the onyx, and those, all of those things are, you know, 
priceless gifts. And then here you have these streams and they represent prosperity as well. And so I call it the streams of income, right? Because the the first river, which was the Pishon, it means to spring forth and increase. So it means to break loose, to spring forth and increase. The Gishon, same thing. It means to, it basically means overflow. It means bursting forth and gushing. So it means an overflow. And then you have the third river, which was the Tigris, which means um, to be swift and fast. So to be keen, to be sharp, swift, fast. And then you have the Euphrates, which is kind of like the Gishon, where it means to break forth. So here you have these four very, um, you know, wild rivers that brings increase. So if you have these rivers that are gushing and overflowing, so if you've ever seen like a river and by rivers you have, because the water and the substance of the water and the minerals within the river, like the plants are very luscious and overflowing. And when you think of like, think of the Amazon rainforest, right? And the river that runs through the Amazon, like all the trees are luscious, all the plants are, you know, wonderfully green and the fruits are like ginormous right and so think of it that way so here you have all this prosperity in the land of Eden so it you know when it talked when it introduced Eden it introduced Eden as an oasis so it's all this like beautiful water beautiful plants beautiful fruit all of them were good to eat right and so you have all of this prosperity here and you know there's like an abundance so basically you're saying it's an abundance of provision it's abundance of income it's abundance of provision so you have four streams of abundant provision does that make sense yeah all right so now we have the commanded blessing so we're now in verse 15 all right the commanded blessing so we're now in verse 15 then the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it. So here he's asking, he's telling him, like he gave him a purpose to serve, right? A purpose to serve and serve as part of worship. So here God gave him a purpose to serve. So the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. So not only is he um, serving the Lord, but he's also stewarding what God gave him. So whatever God gave him, which was this beautiful oasis, he's giving him the responsibility to take care of it. My, my says something a little bit different. It says, and the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Yep. Okay. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat from it, you will certainly die. So here we go. Here's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is 
totally different from the trees that grow from the ground. And it's very interesting that it was only one tree that he told him to eat because the other tree, he said that he could eat. So here he's, he's saying, if you eat of this tree of knowledge of good and evil. So basically he's saying, he's saying you'll certainly die. It's basically a tree of death. And then you have the tree of life, which he didn't instruct him to eat the tree, to not eat the tree of life like that. He was saying you can have eternal life here. So here he's giving him a choice, right? So he's giving him a choice. And so he's saying, if you die, you're dying from your disobedience. Okay. And um, there's a reason why, and we'll get to that in a second. So the Lord God said, it is not good for a man to be alone, and I will make a helper suitable for him. And now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the animals and all the birds in the sky, and he brought them to the man. When Oh, yeah. And he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. So he's basically testing him. So what you call something is what it will be. So again, we have to watch our words because what you call it, what comes out of your mouth is either blessing or cursing. So here he's, God's giving Adam the responsibility. Well, he doesn't have a name yet, actually. Um, he's still called the man here. So he brought the man. He doesn't have a name yet <laughs> um, to see. So remember like God created man in his image. He created him to be the likeness of God, to have his characteristics, to do what God does. Right. And so here he brought the man to the animals. So same thing, God named, he called the light, light and the darkness dark. He called the land what it was and he called it good right and so here he said that he blessed it he he called it good he gave it a name and called it what it is so now here at you know the man sorry he doesn't have a name yet so the man god is testing him and inspecting him to see if he's gonna do what he has done. So he saw what the father did. Now he's going to repeat what the father did. So here's the animals. And now it's his turn to do what God did, which is name them, right? He's giving it a name. He's giving it a blessing. So what he calls it, that's what it's going to become. So he brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man called each living creature that is what its name was. So that's what it becomes. So whatever you call it, that's what it becomes. Let's stop there. You can name it, you can't eat it. Actually, nope, let's keep going. One more, one more thing. So the man gave names to all the living birds in the sky and all the wild animals. But Adam, now he has a name. It says no suitable helper was found. Okay, so here we go. The commanded blessings. There's three commanded blessings in this whole thing. This is 
called the law of first mention. And so this is first mentioning the tithe, the unity and obedience. So the tithe is 10% of what belongs to the Lord. So the Lord is the owner of this. So here is the tree of life. So God gave Adam the whole oasis except for one thing, which was the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And he gave him an instruction not to touch it. So God's saying, all of this is yours, but don't touch this one thing. So your tithe is the same thing. God gives you an income. 10% belongs to the Lord and the rest, he blesses the 90%. So if you have $10, $1 belongs to the Lord and you gave God what is due God and God will bless the $9 that you have left. So here is the beginning of the tithe. He's saying, don't touch this tree. You can have everything else. Just don't touch this one tree because the tree belongs to God. He is the owner of it. Then he's talking about how he needs a suitable helper. So he he's a suitable helper is referring to someone who is equally yoked, someone who will carry the purpose with him, right? So to, when two or more agree, you're in unity, you're in fellowship. Every time there's two or more people in agreement, God comes and he blesses when the 99, you know, like he brings people together. It's all about fellowship, right? That's what the whole relationship with God is. It's all about fellowship. All of it is about fellowship. So when two or more are in agreement, that's when he comes in and he blesses it. So there, again, there's always blessings and cursings. And, and in Deuteronomy 28, all of Deuteronomy 28 talks about blessings and cursings. When you're obedient and when you're disobedient, this is what happens. And it's it's a pretty long chapter, but it goes into the whole thing. So when God gives you commands, statutes, instructions, and if you obey them, you get all of these beautiful blessings. When you don't obey them, then all of these curses come on you, right? And so you have these three commanded blessings. One is in the tithe. He blesses your income. It's in unity. When you're in um, mutual agreement with somebody and then in obedience. This unity what do you mean like two of us are together and we agree on what i mean like what two or more in or two or more gathered like what are we agreeing so what? if you're praying with somebody if i'm what so Pray. if you are praying with somebody if me and you are praying together god comes and hears both our prayers and he blesses yeah. right do you, right? Know, do you know what the word intercede means so intercede means to come in the middle of so the bible constantly says that the lord god will intercede and that doesn't just mean he'll show up that means he comes in the middle of and in order for him to come in the middle of he needs two things that are on the same path so if you think about it this way if if you're here and you're here 
God can't come in the middle of two things that are already in line. So if you are in agreement, if you are in line with someone, God comes and meets you in the middle, just like this little diagram here, the two at the bottom are in line with each other and God comes in the middle and blesses it. You two agree over the same prayer. When your pastor lays hands on you and says, I rebuke your cancer, it doesn't mean anything unless you yourself believe there's no cancer. If he believes it and you believe it, God will come and say, and there it is. So that's the, that's the, that's the uh, unified blessing of God. Yeah, that makes sense because if you're not in agreement, I mean, what's there to bless? Yep. Okay. There you go. Thank you. All right. Verse 21. Beautiful. <laughs> so the Lord God caused the man to fall asleep into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed it up the place of flesh. And then the Lord made the woman from the rib and he had taken it out of the man and he brought it to to the man and the man said this is now bone of my bones flesh of my flesh and she called and she shall be called woman for she was taken out of man and that is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame so here it's the law of transfer when you're connected to somebody and so there's good soul ties and there's bad soul ties right and so here um god was saying he needed a suitable helper meaning someone who is equally yoked moving in the same direction here's agreement and unity again right and so here it's it means joined with the same and moving in the same direction. So a suitable helper, equally yoked, joined together with the same, moving in the same direction. So when you're equally yoked with somebody, when you're equally yoked with someone, you're sharing in the same beliefs, the same values, um, you're equally sharing the burdens of life and the purpose of your calling um, with Christ to glorify him. Right. And so if you're, you're either working together with somebody or you're working at odds. Right. And so if you're working at odds with each other, one person is the weaker person. So you have a soul tie and it could go two ways. Either you're working together in the same direction and everything is in alignment or you're working at odds with each other and there's a weaker person that is truncating your purpose. So when- Is that again, Jenny? I'm sorry, I didn't hear that part. I'm sorry, what? Can you just repeat what you just said? I didn't hear that last part. Yeah, so um, when you're, when, so when you're working with somebody, when you're in agreement with someone, you're either working together in the same direction and flowing together, or you're working at odds with each other. And one of the person is weaker than the other, which is truncating your purpose. Yeah. So in second Corinthians six fourteen, it says, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
So he's saying, don't be in agreement with someone who doesn't believe in what you believe in. Don't be in agreement with someone who isn't following God the way you're following God. That's what he's saying. He's saying, do not be unequally yoked together with an unbeliever for what fellowship has righteousness, righteousness meaning right standing with God, with someone who is lawless. So for someone, so he's saying someone who is right standing with God is being yoked with someone who is not right with God, their communion is out of order. So, and so what he's saying, what communion has light with darkness? He's saying that they don't mix. They're separated for a reason. And so with marriage, it's a covenant. It's a legal binding agreement. You're saying me and you are going to agree and we're going to walk in purpose together. We're going to lift each other up equally. We are equally yoked because we're equally moving in the same direction, helping each other for each other's purpose together. Right. And so when one person's soul is connected to another, you guys are knit together. So he's saying here that when you become one with someone, when you're tying your soul with someone, you become one flesh. He's saying you're now that you're married, you're basically one person. Because now you're yoked together. Now you guys are tied to one. And now you're going to move in the same. You basically made an agreement to move in the same direction and have the same purpose. And so when I'm, when you do that, so, and this is where like not good soul ties happen is because like when when you are connected to someone, when, when you make that agreement, when you're making that legal binding agreement saying, we're going to be connected together, we're equally yoked, we're going to do this. It's when you become one person, it's a spirit to spirit attachment. And so that's how come like, if you're overly sexually active, you're spirit to spirit with so many people that now you have like all this craziness going on and so sometimes people have like all of these soul ties and don't even realize it because when you're attached to someone who their spirit so that's why god was saying what does having fellowship with righteousness with lawlessness so now here you have an attachment of someone who has an evil spirit and now that evil spirit is attached to you so here you you know you're sleeping around with a bunch of people and now you have all these attachments from all these people that you slept with because you were soul tying yourself with somebody you know what's amazing is when I was younger, my mother always told me, don't sell your oats because every person you've been with, it's the equivalent of being with whoever they've been with. Yes. And truthfully, not never have I, no, no. But I do understand like when you become friends with someone, for instance, they, they're going to talk about 
whoever the last person, you know, whoever the other friends are, and you feel almost like you know that person. And I feel like the whole reason people say, you know, God wants to have fun because no, I think God's just protecting our hearts for us because he knows that we're not knowledgeable enough to do it. You know, humans have to make mistakes before they realize it. I think God's is trying to protect us from these certain mistakes because, yeah, you're going to feel. But it's not always just a sex thing, too. It's, you know, like the five friends, like think about your closest five friends who you're around all the time. Like that's who you're going to eventually become because you're around them so much. You end up being connected to them like if you always have to pay attention to who you're connected to because if they're in some you know what I mean like you're attached to that person if you're with people like how you have to think about it as like a reputation right like God really cares about his reputation that that's how come he's like don't connect yourself with someone who is an unbeliever because they're not a representative of me, but you're representative of me. And so you're going to represent me well. And if you don't represent me well, he kind of like pushes you out and saying, you can't be lukewarm. You're either hot or cold. Right. And so same thing. That's why unity is so important because like whoever you're connected with, I mean, it's not just about sex. It's about even friendships because if you're connected to someone who has a horrible reputation, you're automatically going to be connected to their reputation, not because you've done anything, but it's just because you're connected to them. And it's the same thing with your spirit. If you're connected to somebody and you are with them and they have like this nasty, wicked spirit, you're automatically going to have that nasty, wicked spirit just because you're so connected to that person. And you have to cut those ties so sometimes there's times where you have to like literally cut those ties with people because either like in a friendship or in like an intimate relationship because it you're unequally yoked they're you're at odds with each other and that's how come it it doesn't work out because it's you know, if you guys were flowing together and in the right direction and building each other up for a kingdom purpose, then it's going to be great. But if you're, you, you're not doing that and, you know, one is over here and one is over there and you can't, you know, let, for instance, like if you're with somebody who is, uh, like an alcoholic, right? And you're a completely sober person. There's no equal there. There is no equal. One is the weaker person and you're going to have to deal with that. And they're truncating your purpose. Like you're not going to be able to go forward because you're stuck trying to deal with their mess. And so it's the same thing. Like your spirit, when you're when you become friends with somebody, you have to see like, it's not just friends, like relationship wise, it's even like in friendships, because if like, you're connected to their spirit, you know, and so the burden and, becomes your burden. Yes, their burden becomes your burden. And so if you're friends with somebody who like, you always have like me I always question like why am I attracted to this person like and I don't mean it like attracted like romance I mean like why am I attracted to this for like why do we get along right and so because 
sometimes like you'll have friends who like the moment you meet them, you're like instant friends. And then along the line, like the more you get to know somebody, the more intimate it becomes and the more exposure you have, right? Like you have, you have your inner circle, you have an outer circle, and then you have like acquaintances, right? Like just people who, you know, your acquaintances aren't going to know a lot of who you are, like your inner circle, your inner circle is going to know like your ins and outs. They're going to know like your ups and they know what you tolerate, what you don't tolerate, who you are in private and who you are in public. Your outer circle will kind of know that a little bit, but not to the extent of your inner circle, right? Yeah. But if you bring someone into your inner circle, you're exposing who you are, right? And so it's the same thing when you're invited into somebody's inner circle, you're going to see all of their things, right? Like, so you have to be cautious when you connect yourself to people because you might've been either an acquaintance and you saw them in a certain way, but now here you see them in their most intimate places and then you'll really know who they are, right? And so you'll know like their deep things and, you know, how their character is and how they they react is how you know that like they're going to stay in your life or they're not right and so if there's things that are toxic like it's up to you see and all the thing is it's all about choices too right so it's up to you to be able to say i'm going to tolerate this or not and like yep um so once you connect with these spirits and they're not good spirits Mm -hmm. they've had a lot of not good spirits do they stay with you or how do you get rid of that? You know what I'm saying? They can stay with you if, again, it's about choices. And if you tolerate it, they're going to stay I mean, there. In my in my instance, a lot of those people that I'm referring to, I have gotten rid of. Mm-hmm. Does that and mean- Have you that, seen things change? Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. So does that mean that that, that spirit has now, that negative, nasty spirit that I had from them- is now left me i mean or do i have to i've asked for forgiveness a thousand and one times yeah and you're forgive you're forgiven forgiven. yeah yeah no i don't i don't veer towards those people anymore i mean obviously (laughs) for obvious reasons but Uh, i don't like those people anymore like i couldn't hang out with the same style of people i hung out with 20 years ago so yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. I had a I had a friend that I had to let loose because he would listen to this music and I don't remember who it was by. I just know that I was talking about suicide, drug, and drinking, and I didn't listen to it, but he was playing it right on a phone call and I'm listening to it and you can feel the lead that sits in your heart. It's like hurts, right? And then when he got off the phone, I started crying. I'm like, why am I crying? What am I crying over? I don't like the music. It's because the spirit that was attached to him, the depression attached to him, the kind of negativity attached to him was starting to transfer. And as much as I loved him as a brother, I mean, he was a very good guy. Him himself was nice. And that, I think that's the hard thing too, is they might have a negative spirit, but still be what we humanly view as a good person. You know, he's nice, He's but, he, but he's got a spirit. I had to let him loose. Unfortunately, he just... He was, he was hurting my spirit. And, you know, as Christians, we're trying to run a marathon per se, and there's hurdles, there's jumps, there's sliding, there's sand pits to jump over. 
And if we are trying to run this marathon with balls and chains hanging from our ankle, I don't know how we think we're going to be able to do it. You got to, you know, when, when you meet Christ, he says he breaks every chain because he's he takes our burden off our back. He drops all our weight. So as Christians, our, our job shouldn't be to go pick up everybody else's hard weight. You know, there's a way to help someone from a distance. I've learned that in, in this recent year, there's a way to, to guide someone uh, spiritually, but from, from a good distance. So you're not getting um, in flux with their spirit. And, and in turn, you're helping them without hurting yourself. Right. But then there's also times where you have to completely cut it off because it's yep. very toxic to you. And, but again, it's what you allow and it's what you tolerate is what's going to be in your atmosphere. You control your atmosphere. Everybody controls their atmosphere and it's about choices. And when, you know, we'll kind of go more into choices next week, but I know we've talked about it before here of like the choices that we make and the people who we're connected to because it is spirit to spirit. And the more closer you get to something or someone, you that's what you end up becoming. It says here in the word that like they became one flesh, they became one person. So when you're connected to somebody, like, do you want to be connected to their habits? Do you want to be connected to their desires, to their personality, to their beliefs when it doesn't even agree with you, but you're tolerating it for what, you but, know? But if you tolerate it and you're saying you become one, if you have doing and you, they like what they see in you, they can convert. I mean. They can, but I would tie your fingers on it. Yeah. Because everybody has, so something I'm learning going into evangelism, it's something God's teaching me is you can't save everyone. And some people are going to have great potential. I've met some people who I, my, my boss that I work with, he's gay and liberal crack up. I've, said this last week um he is such a great person his morals like moral ethics that he holds himself to do align with the bible so i tell myself you know he's got potential but i don't allow myself to become very close to him to where i let him rub off on me because i see he has potential not everyone's gonna gonna come to the lord and even though we might see in ourselves because we are compassionate beings we are humans we're we're made in god's image and god is compassionate he's loving so we're loving you know as in well i think that we are very compassionate to to see everybody as as having potential but it's not our job to attach ourselves to them in the hopes that they're going to eventually become like us but we don't know the future so they may never become like us they may never really learn about christ they may never give their life to the lord and you're going to waste your time, your energy, and your spirit trying to make something happen that might never happen. And as unfortunately, as, as hurtful as it may be, we, we may have to just let go and let God. We're not going to be that person. You're going to tire yourself out in the process. And that's, that's going to hurt your spirit. I've been there. That's going to hurt your spirit. Okay. Yeah. I, I like hearing that. Okay. Okay. So... <laughs> The yoke of physical physique is totally different from this yoke <laughs> and yoke from an egg. It's totally just, it really different. scrambles my brain. <laughs> it scrambles your brain. Got me, it's got me turned sunny side up about it. <laughs> I love it. So yoke, and they're talking about baby. Huh? <laughs> Let's talk about it. what does it really mean? What does it mean? 
<laughs> exactly. So being equally yoked is talking about, so when back in the day, back in the day, there they had these oxen and the oxen would plow the fields of grain. <laughs> and there's this like thing that attached the ox to each other. Like, you know, when you see horse and carriages yeah. and they have this like thing around their necks that keep Grip. them to walk alongside together. Grip. Someone has told me this. So I just totally forgot it, about this. Yeah, it's called a yoke. And so they put these yokes on these two animals that are similar in size and they're able to walk together. And so that's what it's talking about being yoked with somebody that you can equally walk together. And so that's, um, so being, e when they're talking about, when you hear the term equally yoked, it's basically saying being joined in the same and moving in the same direction. Wow. So when you're equally yoked with somebody, you're at the same level, you're joined in the same and you're moving in the same direction so they couldn't yoke somebody with or yoke an animal with an animal oh yeah there you go there's a picture um yeah someone has told me this i just totally yeah. forgot about it <laughs> yeah you can't put a donkey or an ox in the same one because one's gonna be pulling more than the other and yeah huh? yeah interesting yeah that's so funny that yeah like even even other I've even heard other guys going, damn that dude. And I'm thinking, and then when you were saying, I was like, oh, does that mean he's like totally different? I mean, yes, the Lord wants us to all have great physique. Nice. Yes, it's a ghetto term. Right. He said we have strength in numbers. Um. Yeah, that is funny. Okay, good. You answered my questions. This lesson went quicker than I thought it was going to. So we're at the end. And so just to kind of close it out and highlight it, um, this whole section talks about how Genesis 2, the emphasis of Genesis 2 is about the commanded blessing, just so you know. It's about um, he, he put you, he put... When he created, he put us in a place that was made to prosper. God's original intent for mankind was to have a blessed life, to be a blessing, to have a blessed life. He put us in a land that was flowing with four streams of prosperity and that housed these beautiful things that represented the kingdom, the priestly blessings. Um, and so here, and with that, it was the commanded blessing. And so every time, just exactly what it says, the 10% belongs to the Lord, he blesses the rest, and we just respect him by our obedience and being equally yoked with somebody when two or more in agreement when you're aligned together that all of that is super important because throughout the whole bible where it talks about the tithe where it talks about obedience where it talks about unity there's always a blessing 
that comes with it. He calls it good and he blesses it abundantly. Every time you see this, he talks about this overflow. So the blessing that is referred to in Genesis is the same blessing that's referred to in Malachi 3. It's the same blessing that's referred to in Psalms 113 and the same blessing that's referred to in Deuteronomy 28. All of these are the same blessing of abundance, of prosperity, of increase, of overflow. That So whatever you're, you know, so we can go into like prayer about it. And so, because when you think about blessings and if for some reason you're not seeing things happen is because you're not, there's, there's a levels, right? And so when, when you're, when you're praying, you're saying like what's happening in heaven comes down here on earth. And that's what he was trying to create when he created Eve and Eden and the world and all of those things. He was creating heaven here on earth and an inhabitants of blessings. And so when we're praying, we're praying for what was already wit written, what he had said, what it's, you know, what he said, and it is good. And it is so here in heaven. Now we have to learn how to break the barrier to bring heaven to earth. Right. And so, because it's already written, it's already finished. What he created was already done. And we see that from Genesis to revelation, it's already complete. So now we just have to be in obedience to see heaven come to earth. Right. And so our, as you learned last week, that you have the authority and the dominion to create as God created by the words of your mouth. So be careful what you speak. We've said this over and over. Be careful what you say because you, it's, you're in charge of your atmosphere. And so what you say, if you're going to say you're going to have a bad day, then you're going to have a bad day. If you're going to say that your day is blessed, then you're going to have a blessed day. You know, it's about the perspective and it's about how you're speaking into your atmosphere, but it's the same thing. Like however you're calling anything into being, it's going to be that. And so here is the land that God created for you that is prosperous. And now you just have to step into the dominion of it and speak life into your, into your land. Right. And so into your atmosphere and call it what it should be. And so when God gave the man, cause he didn't have a name yet, when God gave him the assignment to call the animals and the plants a name, you have that authority to call whatever is in your environment that name. So if you're sick, you call it healed. You know, if you're broke right now, you say that you're rich, you know, so you call it, you give it a name, you call it what it needs to be. And it's the same thing with your praises. When God created the world, he called it good and he praised it. That's what he did. He blessed it. And he praised it. And again, like the praises, the magnitude of your prayer, however big your praises to God is how big he's going to manifest in your life. 
So if you're not really praying and if you're not really blessing and if you're not really doing it, you're not really going to see God. Yep, that's it. You know, so here Genesis 2 gives you that whole instruction of the commanded blessing in your life is all of that. All right. You know, I wouldn't mind sharing this verse. I was, I obviously I read my Bible every day, which you always should highly recommend that. Right. Yeah. So, uh, I I've been in Job lately. Job is one of my favorite books of the Bible. I love, you know, I feel like growing up, I was very rebellious. So like to, to see Job's story of obedience is just like obedience and faith and how they go hand in hand. But Job 36, verse 11 and 12, if they listen and serve him, they complete their days in prosperity and their years in pleasantness. But if they do not listen, they perish by the sword and die without knowledge. So what I love is you ever realize how in the bunch of the Bible mirrors itself? Mm-hmm. I mean, completely different writers, hundreds of years in the mix. They're very separated. I mean, Moses wrote the beginning, but Book of Job, I don't remember the writer, actually. I don't remember. But I know there's hundreds of years difference. To think that they would almost go, go hand in hand with what God said in the very beginning, you know, but if they don't listen, they will perish by the sword and die without knowledge. He didn't just say they would die, die without knowledge. They ate from the tree of knowledge of good and evil, but he said they'll die without that knowledge that that Eve was partaking in the very beginning, which we'll get into next week. But I think that Job 36, 11 should be a lot of our prayers that if that if we would just step into obedience, that mm-hmm. if we would just step into what God's calling us to do, if we would just step into his commandment, then our days will be prosperous and our days will be pleasant. Yeah. I think if we would just step into that obedience, and I think that needs to be a prayer for a lot of Americans nowadays, especially with this whole mentality of I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong, you're wrong. I think if we would just step into obedience of what God says is right, if we would just step into obedience of what God says to do with our lives, instead of trying to make up our own heebie-jeebie hippie stuff, I think that we'd be, we'd be more uh, prosperous and pleasant. That's for sure. Yeah. Maybe that's why we're having suffering droughts and all kinds of craziness. Yep. Mm-hmm. Thank you. That was great. Okay. So this is the conclusion. Obviously, you guys know where my website is. And if you want to give, you know where to give. And we have Aiden's information. We didn't have it last week. Oh, my week. gosh. We so surprised. Thank you. <laughs> That looks beautiful. Yeah, so his website is there. His phone number's there. He's on all the socials and things like that. Got my logo and everything. Yeah, logo and everything. That's beautiful. So we're going to close out in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. Thank you, Lord, that you created us in not just in your image, but to be prosperous in all of our ways. So we thank you, Lord, for the commanded blessing that is knitted on our hearts, that we follow you in all of your commands and be obedient to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Amen.